As is true with a good number of our songs, this one was written out of adversity. It's one thing if some can write, and they do, some beautiful songs, but who may not have gone through some trials and tribulations. And it's interesting, again, as we read or sing a number of our songs, to know a little bit of the story behind them, or the writer, or the one who wrote the words for it, and this is Fanny Crosby. Again, blind from almost six weeks of age. And yet, you read her songs, you read the words in her songs, just beautiful. This fantastic conviction that she had of Jesus and a desire that, as she made mention at one time, she said she never regretted being blind throughout life because she knew that the first things she would see hereafter would be the Savior. And she thought that would be worthwhile. What an attitude. I mean, it's simply saying, what an attitude to have that kind of concept along the way. You see a, bit, a little bit of the same thing in Paul. You read of Saul of Tarsus in Acts 8 and Acts 9, the first several verses of each chapter, and you see a man bent on destruction of this false sect that, of called Christians, not at that time, but the sect of the Nazarene or of Jesus. The desire to persecute it, to wipe it out, felt it was in conflict with the Jewish religion. And it was. But then he would see the Lord through a little help. But he would see the Lord and make a change in his life that he would never again be the same. He often would record some of his events in his life, early life, as well as his later life, and you can catch a good glimpse of many of the things that he went through, many of the things that he endured. But in writing to the young preacher Timothy in that first letter, Down to verse 15 and following. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance. The Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering, as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Christ came to save sinners, of whom Paul would say he was the chief. And you look at Acts 8 and Acts 9. You read some of the other accounts through the book of Acts. You read some of his accounting of what he did before becoming a Christian. He was rightfully claiming to be the chief of sinners. But that phrase, however, in me I was shown mercy. 
that I could show the world the power of God. What a transformation, what a second chance. What an opportunity to live a different life. And we never know where that is in the life that we live. We never know what may come that would make a change or that would make a decision to realize again the, the brevity or the uncertainty of life and the need to make that change. But to have that assurance that at any time God in his grace and his mercy is willing to forgive one who is willing to turn and to come to him and to do the things that would be pleasing in his sight. Oftentimes you hear a lot of discussion of people taking information that they find in the scriptures and trying to use that as, as a metaphor for something that happens in life. You see it oftentimes when you've got a small school and a, has a football team and they're able to beat a big school who has a fantastic football program. And they talk about David, Saline, Goliath. And what a thing that is. But you ought to go back and read 1 Samuel 17 a little bit. Spend a little time with there. It wasn't David slewing Goliath. It was the Lord defending his name. David did it or was able to do it because of the power of God. The trust in God. The conviction that he had. Goliath never had a chance, did he? He was not fighting David, he was fighting God. And you're not going to win that battle. There are many who keep trying to, to win that battle and fighting against God. But you do not win that battle. God is superior, and God is all-powerful. And that's one case, as many as well others, as well as many others that are given in the Scriptures for us to be able to draw some strength from, to read so many accounts in the Old Testament and in the New Testament of individuals who started out right, fell, were able to come to their senses and to come home. And then we get to struggle with it. The account of the what we call the prodigal son and how Many times do we identify with the older brother. And both needed to repent. The older brother had a wrong concept of the father. And sometimes we have a wrong concept of God. Well, I've kept all your statues. I've done everything you've asked for me. I've, I've been here. I've labored and, and worked in the vineyard. And you never treated me like you've treated this wayward son. It's the older brother that tells what the younger brother did. How did he know all the things that he did? Had he heard about him? Had he followed him or what? But to say, my life is so much different. Paul is saying, I'm the chief of sinners. But grace and mercy was shown to me to, uh, to show you the grace and the mercy 
of God within our life. That ability that he has to change our life and allow us to do the things that are there. We live in a world that, for those of us that are older, that only leaves a few of you who aren't. (laughs) But for those of us who are older, who would have believed 30 years ago that we would have abortion on demand? Would you ever have thought that 30 years ago? That that would ever be a reality? Who would have thought 30 years ago that you'd have states legalizing homosexual marriages? And you'd have a business being sued because they did not want to serve a homosexual relationship. Who would have thought 30 years ago that we'd have the things that we have, abortion on demand, and all the other things that are coming down the pike. But who would have known 30 years ago that maybe, maybe you're in the kingdom of God for such a time as this? We have no choice in our being born. But God in his wisdom has a plan that we do not fully comprehend. At times I've stated I feel like I've been born a generation too late. I thought it fit in the generation before me. You ever watch some of the old sports programs, old baseball games? How did they used to go to the baseball games? Suit and a tie and a hat. And now you can barely get them dressed to go to a baseball game. Times have changed, but God has not. And God's word has not changed. And Paul is making a challenge there in 1 Corinthians 9 of reminding the people what they need to be thinking about. 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19. Again, Paul has come into the kingdom for such a time that he did. It came into the kingdom at a time when it was desperately needed to have a strong voice, and he had a strong voice in opposition, and he had a strong voice in support of this kingdom of God. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. That obligation that is there, We may not perceive the world as being wicked then, but it's always been interesting to me down through the years to hear the generations make the statement after statement. 
know, my, my dad was born in the 1890, 1894. So I had that generation and then a little bit of never met him, only one of my grandparents. But to hear them say from my grandfather on my mother's side, coming on down, each generation makes the similar statements. I do not know what this younger generation is coming to. They just, you know, whatever it is that they do, I don't know how they're going to make it. And someone had written or read it, a statement similar to that. The children have no respect for their parents, and on and on it went, and disrespectful, and so on and so forth, written by a poet in about 350 B.C. But it reads like it was written today, you know, the attitudes and so forth. We may be here for a reason. There's a voice that needs to be heard. There's a life that needs to be lived. There's a commitment that has to be made. And who's going to show it? If it's not us doing the will of God. To the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win the Jews. To those under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law towards God. But under law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the Jew and to those under the law, Shouldn't they have been similar? Shouldn't they have been the same thing? But there's variations in there. Could be paralleled somewhat to, to the religious, and to those who are of the church. There are people who are religious. There are people who are morally upright. There are people who are appalled by what they see in our society. But are also appalled by what they do not see. And those that they look to for that guidance. Willing to become a slave of all. Free from all. But there's a commitment being made that needs to be made by us as well. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, by all that I might by all means save some. Why? Why would you do such thing? Now this I do, for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it with you. What is it about the gospel's sake that he's wanting to be a partaker of it with you? Because who was the gospel for? It was for all. What the world needs to understand is hard to convince a person to listen to you when you've knocked them to the ground and they're stomping on their chest and telling them, let me tell you what you need to do. They're usually not inclined to listen. 
but to be able to identify with. We're all struggling. We have a desire whether we have it in us or not. It's always interesting to hear someone trying to explain who doesn't believe in God explain morality. Where does it come from? To hear the, or was this built into us? Where does that come from? Morality. Where does a sense of right and wrong come from? How do you have that if there is no right to compare with what's wrong? And to explain this universe in a logical way. It's always been interesting. You've, heard, you've, you've seen me do it before as well. It's already always interesting to say that you can look at this and you know there's a watchmaker who made it. You've never seen him or her. You've never seen the person who actually made this watch. But you know without a moment's hesitation, somebody made this watch. If it's being done by machinery nowadays, somebody designed the machinery that makes it. It was made by someone. And yet you cannot look at the wearer of the watch or to look at the watchmaker and conclude that there had to be a designer with a watchmaker. That had to come about some way. Accidental choice doesn't happen. There's no way you can take this thing apart. I know because I got several around the house. That you can take this thing apart and just throw the pieces together and it goes back together like it's supposed to. Always tinkering and thinking maybe I could fix it. <clears throat> I appreciate the society that we're in today. I just go down to Walmart, buy a $10 watch and then wear it until that battery goes down and then go get another one. It costs, costs $8 for a battery. You know, and the watch is only $10. But anyhow, just simply saying, there's somebody who designed, and there are people who need to hear. They have that identity to say, I understand what you're going through. I understand that conflict. Paul could understand it. I know what it's like to, to see somebody and then to reject them and to persecute them for nothing more than a statement that they made that they believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I know what it's like to go in and to, to drag families, members out of a household, cast them into prison. When it came time to cast a vote, I cast a vote to kill them. Made widows and made orphans. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be on the outside. But for the grace of God, I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. But God showed me mercy. He gave me time. And there's so many that are looking for that time, but looking for, as Philip did with the Ethiopian eunuch. And the eunuch said, how can I know what's being said unless somebody tell me? Well, let's sit down and talk about it. Let's look at it. Let's see what the Bible has to say. 
How many times do you hear somebody say, it's too complicated? You cannot comprehend it. But they do not say that about anything else. Or you're free to read it for yourself and to come to your own conclusions. God made us that way, individuals, who, to think for ourselves and to come to our own conclusions and to follow whatever is right. And they do not believe that. They really do not. They think they do, but they do not. They believe that it is possible for millions and millions of people to read the same book and to come to the same conclusion. We do it with mathematics. We do it with the rules of the road, even though they don't follow them. They basically know what the rules of the road say. But they believe that individuals collectively can read and understand something alike. It's because you want to. Sometimes you do what you need to do to, to get to that point, but it's because you want to know that. Got a book on Handyman's Guide to Electricity? I don't like it. Not that I do not understand it. I just don't understand electricity. You know, if I do anything, I've got enough, told you I've got enough screwdrivers for the tip bit, uh, burn off of it. Uh, you know, if I want to change the light bulb, I'm inclined to shut the power off in the house. Uh, because I don't understand it. But why is that? After all these years, why do I not understand electricity? Because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to learn. Isn't that what it is with religion with so many people? They don't understand it. They don't want to read it. They don't want to spend some time learning it. Why? Because they don't want to. They don't believe they have a need for it. If I have an electrical problem, I'll call Doug. Yeah, I'll go somewhere. No, get somebody can do that. Do we understand? God in his grace, in his mercy, in his foreknowledge. As Paul would say to the Corinthians in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 18, he placed us in the body where it pleased him. And it has an application to life as well. He placed us here because this is our time. This is where we are designed to fit. Ezekiel was looking for a man who would stand in the gap, a gap in the fence or in the wall. And you think about that. The wall was a fortress or their protection. There's a, a gap in it. They're needing someone to stand there to protect the inhabitants of the city. Who's going to stand in the gap? I'll stand behind you. You want to stand in the gap? I'll stand behind you. Well, who's going to stand in the gap to say this is what God wants? God is not pleased with this. But to make sure that in the process that I'm also changing my life as well. I do it for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker of it that I could learn the salvation that it offers. 
I can learn the strength that it gives. And I can have the hope that it gives of that eternal reward one day. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes in, for the prize is tempered in all things. They do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. The Olympics are going on. You may be watching them. We may not have an interest in it. It doesn't matter. But the Olympics are going on. How long have they been training? I don't remember which one it was or who it is. I don't keep up the name. They was doing one of the skaters. And they've gone back and shown him when he was about four or six years old out on the ice rink skating. Doing pretty good at that age. And they asked him, he says, when are you going to be in the Olympics? And he said, hmm. 2018. And he's there. So how long has he been training for the Olympics of 2018? For what? Perishable? Gold medal. We don't think it's perishable. But it's going to be burned up one day. They're doing it for a perishable crown. It's going to last for a while. Fame, fortune, and all the good stuff that goes along with it. But you go back and look, where are all the gold medal winners from years gone by? They made the statement that America or the United States have won 100 gold medals in the Winter Olympics since they started about 100 years ago, whatever it was. 100 gold medal winners. You, can you name them? How many of those could you name? They do it for a perishable wreath. We're striving for an imperishable crown. How much time should we give to being the child of the living God, being faithful to his cause? I discipline my body. Let's go to 26. Therefore I run not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached the gospel, preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I'm very careful about the life I live. I'm not beating the air, not shadow boxing. This is life. This is eternal life or eternal death. Very conscious about that. So the life I live. So I need to be watchful of the life I live and how I conduct myself, as the athlete does. You're not going to win a prize. One, if you don't, do not compete. But two, you have to have prepared for it in, in the first place. You may be here to be that light that shines in a crooked and perverse generation. You may be here because you are the light the one in the darkness needs to see in order that they also may find eternal life. Bring Christ to your broken life so marred by sin and he will create anew and make whole again.
what he's asking of us, to bring Christ to our broken life. He's always there, always ready to receive, always ready to restore, always ready to give life. But that has to be our choice. He's there, excuse me, he's there, and he bids us to come to him. And when we do, he's there to receive us. As you look at your life this evening, is it where it ought to be? Or is there a need to make a change? And if there is, if we could assist you, if we could help you, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.